Good morning. I'll greet you in Christ's name. So yeah, today is Palm Sunday. <clears throat> Kelsey, what do you think about when you think of Palm Sunday? Something simple. Yeah, the palm branches. And those have some meaning, and I'm not going to get into that this morning. Um, it'd be interesting to study out what they actually mean, but this is from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and what in their hands? Palms in their hands. <clears throat> And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Someone else, what do you think about when you think about Palm Sunday? <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, not found here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> How about Jesus riding on a donkey? Um, a donkey is a symbol of peace. The horse, a symbol of war. And if you think about Revelations, where it talks about, um, you know, the rider going forth on a red horse or on the pale horse or whatever, it was a, it was a sign of conquer. Um, the donkey was a symbol of peace. Anything else that you think about? Mm-hmm. Yep, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. <clears throat> another thing that I think about is another prophecy is fulfilled. In Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the fool of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> this was a prophecy, and I wonder if this is the only one, I, I don't know, but this seems to be the only one that I can think of that Jesus directly influenced. Like he said, go get the donkey, and they did, and, and he rode on it. What would you, if I would tell you that this morning I have a week left to live, would you? Would that make you pay more attention to what I'm saying? It would. <laughs> well, Jesus had a week left. I mean, he, he rose from the dead and, and he came back. Um, but he had a week left in his physical body. And so I want to look at what he said this morning in that time and what he did. And each one of the Gospels has the story of, of Palm Sunday and some form of, of 
you know, leading up to the cross. But I was amazed at how much of the Gospels is dedicated to this last week. Um, Matthew chapter 21 and on from there is the story of the final week of Jesus and then the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mark chapter 10, verses 32 and on. Luke chapter 18, verses 31 and on. And John chapter 12 and on. And Kevin read some of that this morning. And the Gospels aren't, like the writers didn't all put everything in order. Like um, Luke, I think, is probably the one that's the most chronologically, because he says that he wrote things in order. And so I, I would say that Luke, probably the way that things are laid out in Luke, I would say that is probably in the, the order that it happened. Matthew has a lot there, but he, he kind of categorizes things and makes it easy to understand. Like he, he has the part where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in one section, and then he kind of moves into the disciples in one section. <clears throat> So Matthew is a lot more organized and easier to, to understand. Um, Mark would have some details that Matthew left out, um, like the story of the widow's mite and a little bit more detail on why Jesus, why Jesus went into detail what was going to happen when he got to, to Jerusalem. And then John has less about what happened um, in this week, but he, John really focuses on what Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper, and there's chapters about that, so, um, and I'm not going to get into that part of it. Um, we're going to focus more on what he said and did up to that time, <clears throat> but Mark, or, uh, John also has the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, which seems to have happened fairly soon prior to this, um, prior to Palm Sunday, and that directly influenced um, kind of how the Pharisees were, were feeling. So that's where I want to start in John chapter 11, verse 45. And this is picking up the story right after he healed Lazarus. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more, no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples." And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye? What, what, sorry, what think ye that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he was, knew where he were, he 
should show it and that he might that they might take him <clears throat> so Jesus had healed Lazarus and the Pharisees were at their wits end and, and uh, Kevin read I think that they thought the whole world was going after him and they wanted to stop it and part of the reason was because they thought they were going to lose control of their their country so um, they had a form of self-governance at that point but they weren't allowed to put people to death they weren't you know they had to follow the Roman law to a certain extent. Uh, if you think about the time where the Pharisees brought that woman caught in adultery and put her at Jesus' feet and said, what do you think we should do? They thought they had Jesus because if Jesus said, well, just let her go, that was breaking God's law because she should have been killed. And if Jesus said that they should kill her, well, that now he was breaking Roman law. And so they, they thought they had him cornered. So they weren't actually allowed to put people to death, but they thought they were going to lose the grasp that they had on on their kingdom if, if people would have went after Jesus. <clears throat> so Jesus left. He knew that they were after him, and so they no, they no longer walked openly, it says. They kind of, I don't know, they didn't have a very public life at that point, I would say. And they went around to different towns. And... Uh, Jesus did end up heading to Jerusalem. And I think Luke talks about as he was heading there, he was stopping at little towns on the way. And Jericho was the second to last town he stopped at before they got to Jerusalem. So before he got to Jericho, he had the rich young ruler come to him. And you know the story of that, but I'm going to read a little bit of that in Mark. Mark chapter 10, verses 24 through 31. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and said unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So I want you to, I want you to, to get this that Jesus was not looking at this present world. He was looking to the future, and that's, that's what drove him. Um, another passage says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what was to come. And so <clears throat> I want you to get that, that he was willing to sacrifice what he had now for what he would gain, and that's something we can learn. So after this, they headed for Jericho, and once there, he healed Bartimaeus and visited Zacchaeus. So we'll pick up again here uh, in verse 32 through 34. And they that were in the way, going up to, sorry, and they were in the way, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. 
And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall, be deliver, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. So the disciples were afraid. They were heading to Jerusalem, and they knew probably what was going to happen. And so Jesus pulled them aside, and he said, Hey, yeah, this is going to happen. And Luke says that they didn't understand. Um, and then, uh, after this, James and John and their mother came to him and requested the right and left-hand seats in his kingdom. And Jesus responded by teaching them about servant leadership. And in verse 42, But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they are which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so it shall not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your, ser- your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So again, get a hold of that, grasp that, that Jesus came to serve. And he was headed to do that. So, then as as Jesus left Jericho, there was a large crowd that followed him. And I'm guessing that was the reason he was able to enter Jerusalem unhindered. And... uh, So, yeah, remember that the Pharisees have told everybody to be watching for him and to, to let him know so they could take him. Um, and so when they reached Bethany, which is right outside of Jerusalem, he sent two disciples to get the donkey, and, and uh, they had a grand entrance into Jerusalem. And uh, I won't read that part since um, Kevin read that. And Jesus came in, so he had been kind of sneaking around there for a little bit, trying to st- keep his profile low, but not anymore. Um, he came in with, with passion and power, with authority. Um, but not before he stopped on a hill outside of town overlooking the city and wept over it, sorrowing the destruction that was going to come on them and the people that were there. <clears throat> and the account in Mark says that Jesus came to the temple and then he went. So they had this grand entrance into Jerusalem, he went into the temple, looked around, and then they went back to Bethany for the night. And it seems like the first couple nights they did that. They would go to Jerusalem for the day, go back to Bethany for the night. And I think it was probably the first night that they went back to Bethany would have been the account that Kevin read where Mary anointed his feet. So um, <clears throat> so he would have spent time with his friends there in Bethany. Also spent time... Um, well, it's, it's possible that that account happened at Simon the leper's house, so another one of his friends that he would have spent time with. So, um, and then as the, as the time of his arrest got closer, later in the week they started camping out at the Mount of Olives. So, um, if you go to Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. So this is... 
I believe on the second day, uh, Matthew just goes right into it, but it would appear that it was on the second day after they came back from Bethany. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, the son of David, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And he and said unto him, Hear thou, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city unto Bethany, and he lodged there. So, <clears throat> yeah, this, this began the start of the direct conflict with the Pharisees. And this time, Jesus, you could say he didn't hold anything back. He told them how it was, and um, he kind of went into, you know, how could he be more clear? The children were there praising him, basically saying that he was the son of God. And Jesus, you know, they said, well, don't you hear what they're saying? Like, tell them to be quiet. Like, how can that be true, you know? Nobody, no man should ever say that. And Jesus said, basically affirmed what they were saying, that it was true. <clears throat> and so he went into, um, and, and some of this may have been uh, happening at the same time, but I'm going to kind of follow Matthew's account here and where he talked to the Pharisees. And in Matthew, like, continue on in Matthew 21, so they... Uh, they started having this conflict and the Pharisees tried to trap him and, and they tried to, you know, and Jesus always had an answer and then he told some stories that were pretty uh, pretty direct and uh, condemning to the Pharisees. And the first one was the about the man and his two sons. The one son said, the man told him to go do something. And the one said, yeah, I'll go. Or the one said, no, I'm not going to go. But then he, afterwards he repented and went. Um, the second son said, um, yeah, I'll go, but then he didn't. And Jesus would, it was interactive, so Jesus would ask the people, um, you know, which one, which one did his father's will? And they said, uh, in verse 31b, says, Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. That's what he told the Pharisees. And the second parable that he said, or the story, was the, about the man who planted the vineyard, and he lent it out to the, to the husbandman to keep it. And then he sent his servants to collect fruit, and they beat them, and they stoned them, and they killed them. And he eventually sent his own son, and they killed him. And then he would ask the people, he said, so what do you think the man who owns the vineyard will do? And the people responded, he's going to come and destroy those wicked servants, and he's going to lend it out to others. And that's exactly what happened. <clears throat> and the Pharisees hated it. Um, I'm actually going to read that in verse 40 through 46. When the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same as become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. 
Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. <clears throat> so, and then the Pharisees tried to, tried to trap him and failed. And uh, then if you go to the end of chapter 22, verse 46, so they tried some things and uh, says, and no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. So they got to the point where they were just, they, they had tried everything they could and they couldn't trap Jesus. And so, but Jesus wasn't done. And I want to read the entire chapter here of chapter 23 and uh, listen to what Jesus said about these Pharisees. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do ye not after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself must be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither in yourselves, <clears throat> for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whatsoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold, and whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty." Ye fools and blind, for whether it is greater, the gift or the, or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. He that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. So they would, they were pretty crooked, like they would promise, and oh yeah, they would swear by the temple. And then when it came time to fulfill their promise, they wouldn't do it, and well, why don't you do it? And, you know, you took this oath. Oh, well, we, I swore by the temple, not by the gold that was in the temple, so I'm good. Well, anyways, hypocrites, good word for them. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith, these ought ye to have done and not leave the other undone. 
ye blind guides which strain into a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but within are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Okay, I think I'm going to stop, but uh, you get the point. May this never be said about us and our Christian walk, right? And after this, I think Jesus... It says at uh, the start of verse twenty or start of chapter twenty four, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came unto him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And then at that point, Matthew turns and talks about what Jesus told his disciples. Um, but it doesn't appear that Jesus went back to the temple. I could be wrong on that. <clears throat> so Jesus used this time next to focus on teaching his disciples. Um, And I want to go to Mark. Um, I'm skipping the fig tree because that, uh, I talked about that a week ago or whatever. Um, But in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So this is another key teaching that Jesus taught. You have to give your all, throw your whole life into the kingdom of God. Not the excess, not what's left over, put in your all. And he talked about uh, to them about the coming tribulation, the times are going to change. And he prepared his disciples for that. And uh, starting at Mark chapter 13, verse 1. And he went out of the temple, and one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be one stone, not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then he went on and talked a lot about that. So he prepared his disciples for the future, for the coming tribulation. And the emphasis is um, in verse 37. Well, I'll. I'll start reading verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest suddenly, lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So Jesus' point there was, he encouraged his disciples in the last week that he was alive to watch and to be ready. And then, we can go back to Matthew chapter 25 and he talks about the parable of the 10 virgins and the emphasis there was to be ready. He talks about the parable of the talents 
and the emphasis there is to be profitable. Um, the disciples were given the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, and Jesus wanted them to be profitable, unlike the Pharisees, <clears throat> but to use what God has given us. And then he talks to them about the, he gave them the parable of the sheep and the goats. In other words, live it, live it out, be righteous, love others. And it seems like the last couple of days were a little bit quieter, and maybe that's just the way, because of the way it's laid out here in Matthew, but um, like Jesus came in with power and authority and, and said it how it was, and he was basically telling everybody who he was at that point. And then it seems like he kind of focused on his, his disciples for the last part. So what can we learn from this? I think Jesus' desire up until the end was to be faithful. And he was focused on, on not, not the present time, but eternity. And he used his last days, not in self-pity and in fear, but in power. He passionately called out the Pharisees and taught the people. And I listed a couple things that I pulled out of here that I feel like we can apply to ourselves. Um, the first one is to focus on eternity. And then to serve others. These are things that Jesus taught in his last week. To serve others, not um, command authority over them. To have compassion on unbelievers, just like Jesus wept over Jerusalem. To passionately stand for the truth. To not be a hypocrite. To give your all. To watch and be ready. To be a profitable servant for the Lord. And to be a sheep, to live it, to be righteous and love others. We hear a lot about God's grace and mercy. Um, and that's good. And I see Jesus here ready to extend that. Like to any of, any of these um, Pharisees that would have repented, I think Jesus would have taken them with open arms. And in fact, I think it's in John that it says that many of the leaders believed, but they didn't tell anybody because they were afraid of the Pharisees. And that's kind of kind of sad. But I see Jesus ready to extend, but I also see Jesus being very clear on sin and hypocrisy and how that is. And yeah, I mean, you can read what what he said about the Pharisees. He came down very hard on those that knew the truth and wouldn't believe it or wouldn't live it. The Pharisees were hard-hearted people, and I wonder what your heart is like this morning. Um, here's what I want. This is the same verse from Revelation. And this, after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. That's where I want us to be. And I know this is referring to the people that came out of the tribulation. Um, but I think if we're there, if we're in heaven, I think we'll probably be able to find a palm branch laying around somewhere that we can... Um, make part of our worship uh, to Jesus and what he's done. I want us to be committed. I want our last might to be in the treasury 
so that we are committed followers of Jesus. I want to see you guys in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just come before you this morning. Um, Just grateful, Lord, for what you did in this last week that you had here on earth as a man. Thank you for your teaching and, yeah, your encouragement to follow you and for your example, Lord, and how you lived it out. And it wasn't things that you just said, but it was things that you did, and we can read about it and be affected by it. I pray, Lord, that we would take it to heart and that we would also live honoring lives before you. And I pray, Lord, for each one as we go from here. In your name I pray, amen.